Welcome to No Concessions, your favorite quarantine podcast that's here to explore subgenres of movies. This week's subgenre is Do you remember when people actually wore Chuck Taylors when they played basketball? Because I don't think that was ever actually a thing outside of the 70s. But who knows? Um, this week we're reviewing Hoosiers from 1986. And I'm joined today by a special guest, Mike. Hey, that's me. I'm Mike. Uh, how's it going? <laughs> Uh, mike is a host of a podcast and an occasional co-host of another podcast and a host of a third podcast and a zine writer maybe at some point i've done a lot a lot in my time that's for sure (laughs) mike is admitting that he's old very old (laughs) i am very old the studio audience agrees i am i am old uh, I still had somehow not seen this movie before, though, even though I am old and, you know, I was probably 26 when it came out, but I uh, did never, I never saw it. I am not so old. I've never seen this movie. But before we get into the review and our titular segment, No Concessions, where we make a case for our favorite or least favorite movies, let me uh, make a couple announcements, I guess. The episodes are going to be coming out sporadically during this quarantine as I try to find people to come on the show. It's just how it's going to work unfortunately, but hopefully they'll be coming out regularly um, after maybe a month or so. I'm not sure. Anyway, we're back. Uh, We're only going to have one person on each of these shows. Uh, One person in the studio audience. (laughs) Or Sorry, that was the wrong one. That's the right one. Uh, So... (laughs) Hopefully, hopefully you'll enjoy it. Um, let's introduce Mike. As some of you are familiar, every time we have on a new guest, we ask them a series of questions to help us get them get to know them better. All right, Mike. Since you are a self-admitted rich old man, let's see. What movie do you wish you saw on opening day? Uh, I have a couple. I have like an all-time one, and then I have a more recent one. But the all-time one isn't, isn't that old. It's a. Uh, it's um. Uh, there will be blood that uh, famous movie from, I think 2008. It's, um, it's one of those movies. I remember it came out at the same time as, uh, fuck. Oh, no country for old men. And they, they're both kind of looked like the same deal where I was like, eh, I don't know if I have the patience to watch both of these. And I saw no country for old men in the theaters. And I was like, that's oh, pretty good. still kind of an adult movie though. And, uh, I saved there will be blood for, for home video. And once I saw that one, I was like, man, I, I would have really appreciated this more in the, uh, the old theaters. So I'm bummed. I, I missed out on that. And more recently is a, a newer movie called the Colorado space with, with Nicholas cage, just because it's a, it's kind of a trippy movie and it would have been a lot better. if I saw that in an actual theater instead of uh, my living room. What about there will be blood made you want to makes you want to go see it in theaters or made you want to go see it in theaters? Uh, because I, I mean, <laughs> it's even worse now, but uh, basically since the invention of the internet, I, my attention span has been growing shorter and shorter and it's, you know, it's a fucking super long movie. I think it's like three hours. It's very dramatic. Uh, you know, it's very, the cinematography is beautiful. Like it's a very beautiful movie and uh, it's definitely something I got to appreciate more in a, in a dark room where I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm forced to view it and not look on my phone or not look on the computer or shit like that. So it was definitely a thing I wish I saw and got to like completely, suck in i guess you would say uh without distractions oh that's fair are you are you a big unironic appreciator of nick cage or is that just irony 
No, he's uh, he's pretty hit and miss with me. I think the shit people like from him, like I like some of it, like uh, fucking Kiss the Vampire, his famous overacting movie. I think that's great. But stuff like uh, that Bad Lieutenant he did that everybody loved, I was just like, this is stupid. And I think now a lot of movies he's in, the people who are writing them are like, oh, we got to, this is like a Nick Cage part. We got to get Nick Cage to do this. And and I don't know. <laughs> I I like when he's being, wa- maybe when he's being wacky and it's not, like that's not what you really signed up for basically. And it just seems like he's kind of falling into a stereotype, I guess. And he's, he's kind of like, you know, edgy Bill Murray, basically. He's like hot topic, Bill Murray now. And <laughs> um, not too into that, but I do appreciate, I mean, the, I like that Colorado space mom and dad that he was in uh, last year was pretty good. So he's had some pretty good movies recently. That's what's up. Shout out to Gothic King Cobra. Did you watch that documentary? Of course I did. Yes. <laughs> What'd you think? But it was a little. They could have. They could have fast forwarded those food challenge scenes a little. Um, but you know, it, it was what I expected. It's, it's not something I think you could screen at a theater and people are going to just fall in love with the subject matter or anything. But for people who have been watching the Gothic King Cobra for years, it's you know, it's kind of a satisfying view. Okay. Okay. I I watched it and I kind of thought it was better shot versions of his YouTube videos. Yeah, pretty much. It's like, yeah, it's like somebody else is controlling it. And uh, that's cool. I think they could have did a little more like uh, they could have definitely had him interact with more humans, like, like other humans, just because that's a side of Goth the King Cobra you never see. But even it's still good to see uh, the, the the video from a perspective of like a neutral party instead of just uh, his perspective. Like I never really noticed how slow he moves. He moves like a sloth in real life. And that's just like one of those things you don't get from his own videos. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So the next question is movie you think should get a sequel. Uh, so mine is, I don't really like movies that like, I never watch a movie and say, Oh, I could go for another one of those. I'm, I'm one of those people. I just wants I want, I want everything to end before it gets bad. Uh, but I guess coincidentally, as my favorite genre of movie is still horror, and I love Friday the Thirteenth, which had ten sequels. So it's not like I, it's not like I hate sequels and never watch them. I'm just never one of those people that's like salivating for a sequel. So my answer is something that already had a sequel, and um, I just wish they made another one. And it's Crank Two, the Crank series, <laughs> Crank High Voltage. <laughs> I think like when Crank came out, that was a movie I did see in theaters, and I was one of the very few that actually saw that movie in a the theater, and. Um, I was just like, this is like the most revolutionary action movie ever. And I still kind of believe that. And those, the guys who made it, Neville Dean and Taylor, uh, coincidentally, Taylor, the Taylor and Neville Dean and Taylor went on to do uh, mom and dad, that Nicholas cage movie. But outside of that, they haven't really done much. And like after crank two, I thought they were going to be like big shit, like doing like fast and furious type shit. And it just never happened for them. They did, uh, they did that movie gamer that no one liked. And they did that shitty again, ghost Rider with Nicholas cage. That was really bad. And uh, then they just kind of disappeared. So, um, but yeah, I thought Crank 2 was amazing. It's one of those movies that like not everybody has seen, but I can't recommend it enough. I think it's one of the greatest action movies of this century easily. I'm inclined to agree with you because those movies were so revolutionary at the time because like found footage and held cameras and stuff were like was popular, but nobody was doing it in the same way that they were. And it added a really good manic quality to all of those movies. Or both of them. There were only two, right? 
kind of like a shittier <laughs> version of those movies, but uh, I still appreciated it for what it was. Oh, they did Jonah Hex too, which was super bad, but they uh, definitely maybe they turf their own careers. Yeah, it could be. The third question we have is a piece of intellectual property that would be a great movie adaptation. My answers for this one are lame. Uh, the first one, because well, I should I should say I don't really read, so it's like a whole intellectual source of intellectual property that I don't really know about, and um, I don't think video games should ever be movies, but. That's really my only other like kind of property besides movies. <laughs> so, um, and I know they probably already made some kind of weird movie or anime of this shit, but obviously the Yakuza series would be something I think they should do some kind of movie of. Um, outside of that, something more recently is I did, I subscribed right before the world started collapsing. I subscribed to Marvel Unlimited to uh, maybe read some comic books on my commute to work, which now doesn't exist anymore. But, you know, I still have it just in case when, when we get back to normal and a bunch of people recommended uh, the invincible, I think it's invincible, invincible squirrel girl, which is a comic book that I don't know. I, I feel like this might rub a lot of people the wrong way. Cause it is very, it's very specific type of humor that I think people either love or hate. And I, it's usually the type of humor I hate, but it's done really well. And uh, it's, you know, it's been around for years, I guess. And I was kind of, assuming it was like some Rick and Morty shit where everybody on earth knew about this. And I was just like late to the party cause I don't pay attention to that stuff. But like they don't, there's like no action figures there's no real merch or anything for it. So it just, it definitely seems like something they can make into a movie or really anything and make tons of money off of. And I just don't know why they haven't. That's interesting. I'm, I've definitely never read it, but I'm not a big Marvel comics guy. And I'm also not a yeah. big, long, ongoing series guy. So if it's got more than like a hundred issues, I'm not particularly fucking with it. Couple of comics, I want something to have like three hundred issues that I have to get through before it ends. Oh yeah, just so you have more yeah. stuff to read. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just one of those people where I don't know if I see like a series or something, a TV series, and just like oh, it has ten seasons. It's gonna like eat up a lot of time so it's just something i guess i could like look forward to that if i like it there's like a bunch of it basically oh i feel you i feel you the last question that i have for you is a movie that you think should be remade okay um fuck what did i, I didn't write it down um it, at this point i don't even know if i want to see it remade because i thought of this like before like 10 years ago before everything got remade and how shitty everything got remade into. But it's always been weird to me that they've never tried to remake. They live. Cause it's like a movie that's good and people like it. But if you watch it, it's not, it's, it's fine. It's like a fine movie, but I think it's something that you could remake and make it. I don't know if I would say better, but you could definitely twist it a little and make it, uh, you know, kind of interesting in a different way or go a different direction with it or something like that. It's just like a really amazing premise that out of all the shit they've remade over the past 10 years, it's crazy they've never touched that movie. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I think a lot of John Carpenter's movies could be remade because there's a, like a cool premise there, but there's something that might be just a little off with it. Um, mm -hmm. I would say that's not the case for like The Thing, but for Prince of Darkness, which we watched for one of the episodes, uh, that movie mm -hmm. could definitely be remade. That was dog shit and <laughs> i feel like john carpenter 
after a certain point in his career, he was just like, fuck it. Let me make movies so people have to listen to my music because obviously nobody's listening to it. <laughs> it could be. That's my big conspiracy theory. Mark it. <laughs> I think that I find particularly the last question really interesting because I think that remakes, instead of remaking like cult classics and shit, they should focus on remaking really shitty movies, even though like I get the reason why they don't because they're not going to make much money because people yeah. would say like, oh, that movie was dog shit. Why would they remake this? That's I mean, that, that, that's what they're sort of doing with horror movies for a minute. Like they remade The Hills Have Eyes, which is a fine movie, but it's just kind of like you could remake this. I mean, no one's going to care. The, yeah, they kind of veered away from that. It's just like remaking movies that no one uh, wanted remade and there was like no point to it. Uh, I don't mind that they keep trying with the predator, even though they're like always dog shit, but I'm, <laughs> I'm still holding out hope that they're going to make like another good predator. One of these days. Damn. One day, one day they will. It's not going to be anytime soon. I don't yep. think I'm 100% on board and leading the, the charge for remaking ghosts in the shell from like two years ago. <laughs> remake that shit that I want more crazy cyberpunk sci-fi shit fuck it remake blade runner that movie wasn't terrible but like fuck it dude you got money now you can make it look all crazy <laughs> i mean they did remake blade oh you mean the, the remake the new one they just already already did okay. no 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 the one from the 80s i mean you know, it wasn't they did. Too- they did they did remake it like a couple years ago i thought that was a sequel and i i didn't know like i think i watched half of it because i was like i don't care but um it was, I think it was one of the, like one of those deals where they said it was a sequel, but it was basically the plot to the first one. Just like they, they tried that shit when they, coincidentally, when they came out with the thing, they were like, oh, this is a, this is like more of a sequel than a, a remake. And it wasn't. It was just a remake. That's true. They said, oh, this is what happened to the Norwegian team. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, the same exact thing that happened uh, in, the, in the original movie. That's that's pretty crazy. Crazy how this monster managed to do the same thing to people twice. <laughs> Before we get into the review, uh, can you tell us a little bit about the podcasts that you currently do? Sure. I do a podcast called Virtual Pros. It's about wrestling. It's um, not, I don't know who listens to this. So, you know, it's not dorky. We're not reviewing Raw or anything like that. It's like a cool, casual, um, non-dork version of a wrestling podcast. So it's pretty good. I also do another podcast, which is, I don't want to say it's on hiatus, but you know, it's kind of like this podcast where uh, the schedule is a little loopy right now, but I, I, I'm on another podcast called border boss or border boss and, and friends. It's a, uh, it's a taco bell centric podcast that my friend Scott started. I kind of ended up joining the team a couple of years ago um, outside of taco bell, because I think we're aware not everybody has a taco bell. Like people in other countries don't have it. The, the second half of the show and we don't just talk about Taco Bell. That's just kind of like a, a place setter. But talk about fast food news, stuff that would interest people that, uh, you know, <laughs> find, find fast food interesting. Life, you know, stuff like that. Uh, but the second half of the show is called All Holes Filled, where we kind of do a no concessions deal, except with, with, um, with music, basically, where we listen to uh, records that we probably should have listened to like 10, 20 years ago and just never got around to. And uh, we kind of reassess them now. Uh, Instagram called Retro Food Ghoul. That's kind of on hiatus too, where I remake like old recipes from, you know, those weird cookbooks from the 
the early night, the mid, early to mid 1900s and post like weird kind of like cookbooks that I have and own and recipe cards and stuff like that. But I haven't touched it in a minute. I also do snacks chat 2000. That's snacks with an X. And uh, that's just me and my friends. We used to do a podcast called kissing contest. That's sort of still alive, but not really. And uh, on that podcast, we reviewed snacks. So we just made it kind of into an Instagram to kind of keep a log of the interesting snacks we've, we've eaten. Speaking of snacks, chat and kissing contest. So kissing contest was a movie review podcast that also covered news fanfic and of course snacks uh yes you guys had something that you did called cost giving what what was that that's the, still the only guaranteed episode of kissing contest that still comes out every year it's uh an episode <laughs> where uh, we we do the age-old tradition of watching a kevin costner movie every thanksgiving i have not been on the last one or two because i i, I live far away from the origins of kissing contest now but um, yeah, we just uh, we review a new Kevin Costner movie every Thanksgiving. I don't remember. This started like oh, this started because our friend Zach was trying to explain the movie Braveheart to us. I think or dances. No, he's, tra- he's trying to describe Dances with Wolves to us. And we never saw it before, and, and uh, he was just like, I don't know. He's he's a very unique person. So I was like, man, like I always thought Dances with Wolves was like a movie about Thanksgiving because I did. And and uh, that's just kind of how it started. So every every uh, Thanksgiving, we watch a Kevin Costner movie together and review it. That's what's up. After the jump, we'll be back with our review of uh, Hoosiers. This week's subgenre is, hey, do you remember when people wore Chuck Taylors in basketball? Uh, Even though I'm pretty sure that wasn't a thing outside of the 70s. I'm not sure, though. This week, we're reviewing Hoosiers from 1986. And I'm also not quite sure why it's called Hoosiers. But we can (laughs) let that go for the time being, I guess. Uh, The movie was directed by David Anspaugh, produced by Carter DeHaven and Angelo Pizzo. Written by Angelo Pizzo, starring Gene Hackman, Barbara Hershey, and Dennis Hooper. Music by Jerry Goldsmith. Cinematography by Fred Murphy. Edited by C. Timothy O'Mara. Released on November 14th, 1986. Running time of 115 minutes. With a budget of $6 million and a box office of $28.6 million. One thing that I hadn't realized is that they remade this movie just recently with Ben Affleck. What was that movie <laughs> called? It was called like the actuator or some shit like that. Uh, I think it was called. Yeah. Is it the other movie where we were thinking about reviewing? Yes. <laughs> I thought it was like 
pay blackout or something. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it was the actuator, though. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't. I just pulled that out of thin air because he was in a movie called The Accountant, and it's directed by the same. I don't know why I called it that. Anyway, what it looks like they did in that Ben Affleck movie is smash the character of Dennis Hooper and the coach together and just said, <laughs> fuck it. This is this is Hoosiers for 2020 or 2019 or whenever that movie came out. It was ranked on AFI American Film Institute's number 13. I'm sorry, it's not their 100 years of movies. It's their 100 chairs of movies, which is a 13th most inspi- America's most inspiring movie. So, uh, I mean, that's a pretty high accolade. Yeah, I can definitely understand how and why they would arrive at that conclusion. It's really weird. Like, watching this movie, the characters in the movie, they're basically like four characters. There's the coach, the assistant coach, the guy who has a heart attack, and then the woman. And (laughs) none of the players are really characters. They're just kind of there to help advance the plot. Like, they made a big deal about Jimmy joining the team, and Jimmy wins the game in the last um, last scene, but he also doesn't really say shit throughout the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's um, the whole move. So the reason I wanted to do this is because I watch every single sports movie ever that comes out. I love sports movies, and uh, we're living in a time right now where there are no sports, and it's uh, kind of a bummer. So I was like, well, let's do a sports movie. And uh, I've never seen Hoosiers. It's just been something that, since I can remember, has always looked very old to me. And I just was like, I don't know. I don't. And after a while, I was like, okay, so this is like, you know, I knew it was like the blueprint sports movie. This is what every other sports movie kind of lifted from. So at that point, I was just kind of like, um, I, don't, I don't need to see it because I've seen all the other sports movies. And uh, yeah, I, I got to say, I'm, I'm a little underwhelmed by how not great that this movie is. It's kind of... Um, like Denzel said, you expect like the team or something to be kind of like the character and they're not. And it just seems like everything is rushed. It's just like they're they're getting through all of the, the sports movie tropes as fast as they can, which is great because I thought this was going to be slow and boring. But they're just like, bam, 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 like everything, everything super fast in this movie. They're just going from point A to point B as fast as they can. And uh, it's so it, it's weird. It's weird to watch because you don't expect to, to see it like that. You don't expect to see such little kind of like character progression and stuff like that. Uh, they're the part where um, the, the Dennis Hopper plays like a, a guy who like a, a down on his luck ex basketball coach or something like that. But he's now he's like the town drunk. And there's a part where like he's, you know, trying to beat alcoholism. And it's like it's like he got the Rona. It's like he got the virus and he's trying to shake it off. Like how bad this dude is going through these like alcohol withdrawals. And it's just like oh, this is this is bad. This is like kind of a bad movie. And uh, so I don't know. It's, it is, it's watching. This was like, kind of like taking the veil off of it and just being like, Oh my God, this movie hasn't been good. And there's no, there was no way uh, there's no, nothing I was missing out on by not watching this up until this point. I think this movie suffers from the same problem that the Beatles do in that people overstate how good the movie is instead of stating how influential this movie is because yeah, this like I can see every sports trope in this movie. Like I get it. I understand that this or something else probably originated it. And this refined it really well. There's all the kids who have uh, problem families, the kid who doesn't want to play on the team, but eventually reluctantly comes back to it. 
There's the alcoholic or otherwise problematic coach. There's the stern coach. Like this is basically Coach Carter in the 1950s sans all the black people and alcoholism. There's that little kid that like he later later he plays like this pivotal role where they put him in and it's like oh man they put in the underdog and obviously that's a trope but it's it's still one of those things where they never developed this kid as an underdog you're just supposed to know this by like the final third of the movie when he gets in the game you're just supposed to be like oh the sucky kids in the game now but they never explain it he's just short so you're just like oh he must be the sucky kid yeah I think that sports is a really good medium to tell quick stories because you can kind of immediately empathize with somebody's position when something happens, like when the short kid bounces the ball off of his foot and then misses his free throw. You're like, oh, man, this guy sucks. Oh, how's the, how's the team going to recover from this? But, you know, he comes through, he pulls through, and that kind of made up for all the lack of character development in where they should have started developing the character was in the beginning when they yeah. said, here's this short motherfucker who sucks. Yeah. It's like the whole movie. It's like they, for some reason they felt like they didn't have time to do all this. And I, I appreciate that as a person with a short attention span, because it seems like every scene, like it's every scene, it seems like the first 45 seconds were cut off or something. Somehow, even the beginning of the movie, you're just like, there's a very long meandering credit scene of Gene Hackman driving to bumfuck Indiana. And it's just like, wow, this is really boring. And then it's just like, after that, they just kick it into like six gear. But it's like, you're just supposed to know he's like this, this kind of like incorrigible type of coach that I don't know, has like this checkered past. Uh, he, he, he's immediately hired. Uh, they immediately, the first practice he, 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 he coaches, there's already conflict. Like the team doesn't want to learn from him for some reason. Like, that's a thing that would never happen, but it's just shit like that. And I, like I said, I appreciate it because it just speeds the movie along, but it's also kind of jarring <laughs> compared to other, uh, other sports movies that kind of, uh, you know, let the, let the story breathe a little, I think. Yeah. And they don't do a good job of forming the relationships between the characters that are supposed to matter. Like Gene Hackman gets hired at the school because the assistant coaches that he's working with on the team is one of his boys from back in the day. So he gets hired there and then in the middle of the movie, he has a heart attack and then you don't see him for the rest of the movie gone. He's like gone after that one scene of him in in the bed and then you never see him again. Yeah. It feels a lot like the characters in this movie are largely there to advance the plot, but none of the characters grow as a result of the plot uh, with the exception of Dennis Hopper. And that's probably why he earned some award nominations for this because he kind of he's the only person who has like a real noticeable change aside from the woman in the movie i don't even know where her name is she decides to kiss uh gene hackman even though he's been an asshole to her the entire time she she kind of just exists as even though she's one of the top billed people in the movie she kind of just exists in the movie not necessarily like to just kind of like sit and grudgingly watch basketball and be like the caretaker of Jimmy, even though Jimmy Jimmy's not even a character himself. He's just a dude who's there. And the, the other thing of course, is this is a movie from 1986 takes place in 1951 uh, for whatever reason, still in the eighties. I don't think teens were ever allowed to play teens. So all of the, all of the basketball people, all of the people on the team are like 27 years old. 
And uh, that's distracting to watch with modern eyes. And <laughs> it's, uh, it's even, you know, like, because, and, you know, they're all white, they're from Indiana, and they all kind of look the same, except for the little guy. So it was kind of hard to just pay attention to these guys, these all 27-year-old guys who are supposed to be 16, uh, that all kind of look the same. One of the things that I did appreciate, though, is they all knew how to play basketball. <laughs> that's that's another thing that bothered me. Uh, first off, there, there's not really one moment in this movie where you're like, oh, Gene Hackman is a great coach, and I understand why he's coaching this team to victory. There's no real moment like that. Uh, so that's weird. The second thing is, is I know in 1986 basketball wasn't as popular as it is now. I don't even know if basketball was broadcast live on television yet. Cause that was like, that's one of those things that like, you don't realize basketball wasn't even broadcast live except for like playoffs and finals until like way, way after other sports. Cause it just wasn't popular. So I don't think people probably paid too much attention to like, you know, actual basketball stuff to really care. But like the scene with the underdog, the little kid, uh, why are they giving him the ball and having him shoot in the last 30 seconds if he fucking sucks? Like, what? <laughs> this makes no sense. Why are they doing this? Uh, secondly, this is 1951 where there's no shot clock that existed in basketball yet. And uh, the the pace these kids are playing basketball at, like, this score would have been like 200 to 180. And it should have been like, you know, 27 to <laughs> Like, no one played basketball this fast in 1951. So it's just like, but, you know, no one paid attention to that. I mean, at the same time, Rocky, the first Rocky was like 1977, and that's always heralded for its amazing fight choreography. So obviously people were doing good sports choreography at that point in time. But, like, uh, I mean, I also get it. No one wants to see boring 1950s basketball on, uh, on the big screen. But it's just even that stuff, like the basketball playing in this is just unrealistic, too. Yeah, I do appreciate that they did modernize it a lot, though, it, because <laughs> 1950s basketball was dog shit. That there were no plays; it was just one person, and if that one person knew how to do a crossover, they were king of the court. Like <laughs> that's the other thing. Like his, I guess Gene, Gene Hackman's big moment in the beginning is like, "I want you to pass the ball four times before shooting," and it's like, I'm pretty sure. Every team in 1951 did that. They probably passed like 37 times before shooting. So I don't know. It's just, <laughs> everything about this movie, I think you could, with modern eyes, I think you could just shit on this all day. Um, it's one of those movies that do need to be reassessed. And like Denzel said, it's something that's more influential than great. So I, I'm, I, it sucks that <laughs> I could have just pretended that I was missing this great movie the whole time. But yeah, just very underwhelming overall. How, uh, how kind of bad this movie is in a modern time, I guess. Yeah, it's not particularly great. I can say, though, that the acting pretty much holds up throughout the movie. Yeah. Even yeah. though even though um, Gene Hackman didn't really have any good moments throughout the movie, I would say Dennis Hopper is the reason why this movie probably gets a lot of attention. I don't know. Gene Hackman's character is kind of dog shit, but Dennis Hopper has a whole arc throughout the movie. He's an alcoholic. Then he's not. Then he gets his big moment of redemption during the game. Then he's like, fuck this, dude. I'm going back to the liquor. And he's passed out in the woods. And he's probably sick because he got like hypothermia and shit. And they have to take him to the hospital. The relationship between the kid and Dennis Hopper or Dennis Hopper, Dennis Hopper's character's kid and him would have been something worth exploring. I don't think that Gene Hackman as a character was interesting enough 
to put any focus on outside of the fact that he's like some weird outsider who fucking chin checked a kid when he was coaching college <laughs> basketball. Yeah, uh, I I was always under that presumption too that this movie was like a tour a tour de force for Gene Hackman, and this is kind of one of his big moments. And it's I thought he was going to be like the majority, like uh, you know, up to the up in the front of this movie, but he is not. He's just kind of a guy in this movie. It's, um, I mean, I guess it makes sense because when you really think about it, the basketball team isn't really that there's just no one doing a great job in the basketball team. And I don't, I guess you can't really emphasize Dennis Hopper because it'd be kind of weird to, uh, I don't know, I guess direct the marketing towards him, I guess it would be kind of weird. So I guess like Gene Hackman just had to be front and center by default. What you could have done. If if I were to go ahead and go back in time and fantasy write this movie, what I would do have Dennis Hopper run this team with crippling alcoholism, like kind of earn his redemption through that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I guess I didn't even look if this. Is, I don't think this was like based on a book or anything. So, um, there was I guess there wasn't really any any strict guidelines to uh, stick to. So they could have probably. You could have probably changed this for the better. You're probably right. Yeah, that's probably why they made the one with Ben Affleck. Uh, get paid now <laughs> or whatever the fuck it's called. Oh, you know what? So the movie is loosely based on Milan High School, a uh, team that won the okay. 1954 state championship. Okay, so I figured there had to be some truth to it. Um, another assumption I had when I was younger was that I thought this was based on the Indiana college team that like, I thought Gene Hackman was supposed to be like Bobby Knight or something. And, uh, he's obviously not cause it takes place in the fifties, but, but, uh, and also because it's called Hoosier. So it's just like, I always, you know, I just always think of the Indiana college basketball team because of it. Yeah. Same. What a weird name. That's a weird pick. It's uh, I just looked it up. It's supposedly like, I don't, it's some old Indiana Thing that stems from like Native Americans or something, and corn. Or, I don't know. There's, there's some. <laughs> it's not like just a college nickname. Which again, it was something that I thought probably up until I just saw that. So, so yeah, I just always thought it was just like for college, and that's it. I wish I was around in the cultural zeitgeist when this movie came out because I want to see the impact that this movie had on society. Because this is the movie is kind of like whatever. And everybody was like high on leaded gasoline. So they were just all hyper violent and super dumb. So this must have been like fucking fantastic. Don't really remember when it was in theaters or anything like that. But I know it was like always a movie that like uh, back in the day when they did like Columbia House for VHS uh, where you can get like eight VHS for a quarter or whatever it was like Hoosiers was always front and center in those ads like you could get Hoosiers like it was like a big deal to own Hoosiers because it was like this big legendary movie. And uh, so, so yeah, you're right. That's how people were. They're like, fuck yeah, this white basketball team is just dominating. And uh, I think people really into that. Can I also remark on the race shit real quick? It's uh, throughout the entire movie. You don't see any black people until they play that last team. And it's like they're called the South Bend Central, uh, whatever their mascot name is. And it's just like, Hold, why 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 are they black i said because they're the final basketball boss they that's <laughs> you know that's how, how, how you gotta know <laughs> i think it, 
<laughs> time, I mean, 1980, you got to get to play up to that. They got to be like, oh, I get it. I get why they're the best. So it makes sense. So I did actually read a little bit about this time period and it's kind of fucked up, like how this movie worked out and just based on like the historical context of what was going on. So when Milan high school won uh, the following year, black team and all black team won the state final and all the celebration stuff they did for Milan, they didn't do for the black team. And that was the team that Oscar Robinson played on. So it was just like this whole, like really fucked up weird situation for the black teens, but also in Hoosiers, when the guy comes out and greets the team as they come into the stadium, he's like, we got the whole city behind you. It's like, they're not the underdogs here. This black team's <laughs> the underdogs. This is so fucked up. I didn't even think of that. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, dude. So it's, it's, about, it's about a team that was always going to win beating the hardworking black people from the city, man. This movie's fucked up, Mike. <laughs> gotta, yeah, we got to tell people. It's time to cancel Hoosiers, guys. This is it. Cancel. No, luckily, there's no racism in it. Uh, none at all, which is A+, plus, which actually, in earnest, surprised me. No homophobia either. Yeah, you look at the casting, and you're like, these guys are going to say the N-word any minute. <laughs> like They get all of like, the most kickiness-looking actors. That just looked like real fucking yokels back then. I forget that one guy's name, the guy who gives him like a real hard time. That guy has been a character actor playing fucking dipshits his whole life. So uh, <laughs> they really, they really, well, they really picked well with like the supporting cast. Damn, dude. That's so fucking crazy. <laughs> Holy shit. Anyway, it, this movie, I probably give like, I don't know, like a four or five out of 10. Something like that. Yeah. I'd be around there too. Like I get it. I understand why this movie is so important. Uh, I just think if you are a person who has seen, you know, a few sports movies a year, uh, like if you've seen miracle with Kurt Russell, or if you've seen a fucking movie with, uh, Marky Mark as the Philadelphia invincible, the Eagles, the Eagles movie, Rudy, Rudy was Rudy came only a few years after this. And it tells this kind of underdog story. And, more compelling sports story <laughs> better than this. So it's one of those things like I understand its influence, but and 2020, it doesn't really hold up. I don't think so. Yeah. Four or five for sure. When we get back, we'll get into our titular segment. No concessions. back to no concessions and this is our titular segment no concessions where we make a case for our favorite or least favorite movies mike what you got for us 
only to just pick something that's like, you know, it doesn't have to be my actual favorite movie. So this isn't my actual favorite movie or anything. It's up there though. It's uh it's a movie I enjoy a lot. And it's uh it's one of those things like if you haven't seen it, it's a comedy, and if you haven't seen it, you know, people are just rolling their eyes and fucking groaning. And uh I don't care what anybody says. It's I think it's from two thousand eight, two thousand seven. Uh Adam Sandler classic, Don't Mess with the Zohan. This movie is uh, hilarious. It's Adam Sandler's last great movie outside of uh, fucking Hidden Gems or whatever. Uh, but outside of that, I mean, this is a great comedy. It's hilarious. And it's one of those movies. I'm, You know, some people when I'm like, yo, you're going to watch it. It's actually really funny. Some people are like, no, it sucks. But those are just people who hate Adam Sandler anyways. But uh, you give this movie a chance if you've never seen it. It's, uh, it's up there with all his classics. It's hilarious. I've seen this movie... Uh, upwards to 60 times because uh, it it came out at a weird point in my life so i've seen it a lot it's uh i think it's a tour de force for adam sandler it's uh it's uh his last great comedy and people don't give it enough credit that's for real your choice i mean i it's you said something <laughs> like i'm not gonna say like a like a just a fucking movie that people already like like i can say a million movies that i think are great that other people think are great but i thought it was kind of to pick something that maybe people hate on that they shouldn't because you really love it well, <laughs> so that, that is really the point it. that's the point yeah yeah i really love it. uh not enough people give a fucking respect fair enough fair enough so charles when you listen to this just keep in mind you like you like weird movies mike likes weird, weird movies <laughs> My no concessions pick this week is The Man Who Knew Too Little. It's a Bill Murray movie from the mid-90s, I want to say, where he plays a guy who goes on vacation to visit his brother and hijinks ensue. And he is pulled into like a weird spy plot. And it's a it's a fun movie. It's really fun. I watched it this weekend. And it it's like a very like it's a madcap comedy like wacky shit happens it's it's along the same lines of like wackiness as dr detroit but i would say this one is better i really enjoyed and appreciated this this is it's like a fun movie you know i don't think i've ever seen this i remember i'm looking at the poster i remember the poster but yeah i don't think i've ever actually sat down and watched this so i gotta check it out it's a it's a fun movie. It's a it's a wild ride. The movie kind of escalates throughout. This movie and Doctor Detroit somehow managed to play it a little bit more straight. It's you can kind of believe some of the stuff that's going on, but it's not like uh, the person who's involved is like a huge dumbass, and it's annoying to watch or whatever because like the decisions that are made are just like bad and stupid. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I remember, I haven't seen Dr. Detroit in a minute, but I remember really liking that movie as a kid. Uh, but yeah, this one, I don't I don't know if I just forgot it or just never seen it, but I cannot comment. Well, thank you, Mike, for uh, joining me on this episode of No Concessions. Do you have anything that you want to plug? Yeah, check out Virtual Pros. It's a podcast. I've already mentioned that at the top of the show. It's, uh, you know, it's on where you find fucking podcasts, Virtual Pros. It's about wrestling. Check out Border Boss. We talk about music. We talk about tacos talk about uh, the talk about lifestyle check out that stuff because it's all it's all pretty good vrtl pros on twitter and instagram although i don't really use our instagram much, much. that's all, all mostly al 
but I'm usually uh, speaking on the Twitter. So VRTL pros. Oh yeah. You studio audience. Thank you. Yeah. They approve of me. They love you, Mike. They love you. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll uh, see you some other time. Bye.